Eckhart Tolle, teacher and author, said, The power for creating a better future is contained in the present moment. You create a good future by creating a good present. Today, almost one in five people in the United States is struggling with mental illness. May being Mental Health Awareness Month, it's only fitting to discuss how innovative technologies such as apps and telehealth once again are paving the way for a better future, transforming the way mental health treatment is accessed and provided. We are excited to be joined by Dr. Matthew Joukowsky, a licensed psychologist specializing in the treatment of obsessive-compulsive-related disorders in children, adolescents, and adults, based out of the Biobehavioral Institute. With his extensive cognitive behavioral experience, Dr. Joukowsky's clinical approach incorporates positive psychology interventions in order to not only relieve suffering, but enhance individuals' overall well-being and quality of life. In addition to his clinical duties, Dr. J is also the Biobehavioral Externship and Internship Coordinator, where he supervises and instructs students providing psychological services to various clinical populations. He has presented and published various papers and book chapters on many topics, including compulsive disorder and body dysmorphic disorder, to name a few. Always connecting and relating to his patients and audience, he could often be seen on the Biobehavioral Institute's Instagram page, providing short videos about strong and important topics relevant in today's society. He's an extremely talented psychologist. His peers and patients consider him to be highly skilled, extraordinarily caring, compassionate, and always gives his all. Welcome, Dr. Matt Jakovsky. Hello, hello. Thank you. Dr. J, do we call you Dr. J? That's fine. Yeah, Dr. J, Matt, whatever works. <laughs> I like I like Dr. J. All right, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just to just to kick us off, Matt, um, mm -hmm. I have a lot of different friends in a lot of different professions, and I wonder what was the main influence for your choice uh, to go into mental health. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I'm start. I'm starting off heavy. Yeah. No. Wow. Life choices. Um, <laughs> I think you know it's funny. You know, far back as I can remember, like even as a kid in elementary school, I remember just like talking to people and you know, like listening to all the little kid problems and yeah. uh, you know, giving like little kid advice and stuff. And I just remember people always saying, "Oh, you, you know, you'd make a good psychologist, whatever." But you know, I never really gave. Uh, much thought about it, you know, just went along. And then when I was in college, believe it or not, I was actually a business major. Oh, which, really? Yes. So which funny. I think probably would have been a disaster. But even within that, um, I sort of gravitated to sort of like management and people and things like that. But um, truth be told, during that time, um, I actually was going through some stuff. So someone recommended that I go talk to somebody. Uh -huh. And so I went and um, from that moment on, when I saw what it was, and just, you know, being in a room with somebody and talking and talking about, you know, what was going on and having them listen to that, I was just hooked. So awesome. it was kind of like a calling. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's could you amazing. have ever imagined that you would be where you are now in your career? I'm no, I mean, again, I, you know, I knew the basics. I knew I just wanted to talk to people and listen to people and help people. But, you know, when you got involved in the field, you just it's just so much more than just that. And just, you know, is opened up so many areas and just learning and stuff. It's, it's been amazing. I actually work at a sort of a specialty clinic. And um, so we see people like one of their main specialty is, is obsessive compulsive disorder, but also um, what's called OCD and it's related disorder. So, you know, for some people like that might be, if you ever heard of body dysmorphic disorder or hoarding disorder, skin picking. So that's sort of our specialty. But then um, in addition to that, we also, you know, deal with panic, 
depression, you know, sort of some of the things that people might be a little more familiar with. Right. That's, that's, that is really interesting. You know, over the last year, I have to say my life has certainly changed. Um, I, I used to travel as Erica knows really well. Yeah. I used to travel <laughs> all the time, at least <laughs> twice a week. I've been coming and going from, a from, from a given airport. And now it's completely transitioned into me uh, talking to clients and talking to team members on video. Sure. And, and literally, like my entire world is just turned into this. Uh, you know, I click a button, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, I'm in, I'm in somebody's living room that's sure. now become their office. What's really changed in your day to day compared to how you were treating and interacting with patients pre uh, pre pandemic? Sure. I mean. You know, I mean, that's been one of your major things. So, you know, based on all the rules and, you know, just, you know, trying to keep everybody safe, basically our office shut down in terms of having in-session, in-office patients. So basically everything went online and everything, whether that was telephone calls, whether that was, um, you know, the platforms where you can do, I mean, like Zoom is a known one, but there's specific ones for like psychology, something called like DoxyMe, where it's sort of like a safe you know, a HIPAA compliant type of website where you're doing the face-to-face type of uh, stuff. So not that that was never present at all, but clearly it became sort of the only way. Right. Um, Another big thing that has changed was um, for people familiar with Medicare, you weren't allowed, uh, at least for psychology under pretty much any circumstance to do phone sessions or do uh, video or anything like that. So they actually changed the laws when this happened to allow that. So that has been a whole way to sort of reach all people that you typically couldn't, but were being affected so much by the pandemic. So it really was a great change. That's amazing. I didn't didn't know that. I also think it must have been a very interesting situation in that I'm sure there are patients that are very unfamiliar with using technology, as well as I'm sure there are providers that weren't as comfortable with using the technology. We see it with our kids trying to, to learn online with teachers trying to sure. navigate technology. I'm sure that's that's very similar, I would think, in your industry as well. Absolutely. I mean, look, there's going to be pros and cons of anything. Yeah. You know, so definitely the pro is that we were able to reach people that you didn't have to discontinue care. Um, we were reaching people that really needed it, um, that were being affected by the pandemic in all types of ways. But again, you know, there's something to say about face-to-face communication. And there's something to say about people who don't feel comfortable. Like, look, you know, I'm a psychologist. You know, it's not just what you're saying. It's how you're saying it. I need to see you. I need to feel, you know, what's going on. You get a pulse. Someone can be, you know, bullying me or someone can be having difficulty saying something to me and I won't pick up on it if I don't see it. So I've had some people where the adjustment's been fine. You know, they feel like this is good and we're able to see face to face. Others, you know, on the phone, it's been a little bit difficult. And some people it doesn't work for. But again, I think in the overall picture, the fact that they can still stay connected, especially during a pandemic, it, you know, the benefits have far, far outweighed any drawbacks. That's amazing. I, it's interesting that you said early, the HIPAA compliant mm-hmm. version of telehealth, right? Yes. That, you know, has, has, has pretty much changed all of our uh, worlds. And, you know, we, we see it almost on a daily basis where it used to be almost like a future tech 
type thing. Mm -hmm. Now we're, we're actually seeing this increased amount of applications, especially for a form of mental therapy being offered to basically anyone with a smartphone and a credit card. <laughs> I think yeah. even you, yes. you were telling me yes. about this. Uh, the Wobot. Wobot. Have I haven't heard of so, that one. The Wobot is like the world's first chatbot. It's been designed to improve mental health. It was designed actually in 2017, and it's an AI-powered platform wow. with digital therapeutics to automate the therapy process. So basically, <laughs> it's trained in cognitive behavioral therapies, and it does these daily briefings like of conversations to deliver behavioral therapy, asking users how they feel, what's going on, to build a relationship. But it's a bot. <laughs> that's asking these questions. And depending on the user's mood and needs, the bot sends videos and mental health advice. So that's pretty interesting. I was telling Maxwell about it. It wasn't intended at first to replace right. traditional <laughs> therapy, but it is amazing in that I guess most doctors don't want to get a call to in the morning and it's 24 hours. And they said that these bots don't have bad days. Everyone's treated equally. You know, there's the same treatment for everyone. There's consistency. That might be the problem. Wait, but they say there's 98.9% accuracy on its ability to detect crisis language and develop a bond with its users. So it has significantly reduced problematic substance abuse I mean, again, it sounds amazing. You know, I, mean, I would have to check it out. You know, but uh, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to you know what goes to my mind is you know when I go on the Verizon help calls and they're like, "Is this your problem?" and I'm like, "No." And they're like, "Is this your problem?" No. And I'm like, "Can I please speak to somebody?" You know what I mean? So I don't know, but hey, you know, I, you know, anything that can help. <laughs> I you know I think I think these apps are probably opening doors for a segment of users that, you know, maybe didn't want to go out and really go through the process of finding someone to speak to. Maybe, maybe the cost of, you know, the cost of, of that appointment that's not mm -hmm. covered by insurance was, was maybe a barrier uh, to entry. So I feel like it's providing, or certainly my opinion is it's providing another way or another, um, another outlet for someone that needs to have some form of mental health therapy. But as Eric, as you were describing what the bot does, yeah. it, it actually reminded me of this uh, one of my favorite movies, Up in the Air with George Clooney. I don't know if you mm -hmm, ever saw mm -hmm. it. And he's George Clooney basically flies around the country and he's got like elite status on everything, which I know about <laughs> because I used to fly around the country like a maniac. <laughs> and uh, and he fires people, which is that's just what you love. <laughs> you love, this, I love that Maybe we yeah. need to get the Wobot right now. <laughs> let, let's, <laughs> Yeah, that's crisis language. Yeah, that sounds a little. That that, that um, sounds horrible. Let me finish the thought though. And 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 that's what he did for many many years. And then this new recruit comes into the company, and she talks about automating everything mm -hmm. and turning everything into a call center where they call people and they run through a script and they say, "Well, how does that make you feel?" And I'm sorry mm -hmm. that we're gonna let you go, but good news, we're gonna give you a week and a half pay, and everything's great. And you finish the call, and then they find out immediately as they implement this program that unfortunately one of the people that they let go um, committed suicide. Mm -hmm. So again, it's it's kind of like, are you catching everything you talked about before, the the body language, all the other things that maybe are not speech related mm -hmm. that, a, that a bot or a program 
can't catch. And, sure. and I guess that's the element that we're trying to get a better handle around is like, how much of that is really part of that discussion? Sure. No, absolutely. I mean, again, like you're talking about nuance there, you know, so if, you know, I don't know what they're training the bots or, or what it might be, but <laughs> at the same time, it's sort of, you get used to maybe certain patterns or certain ways people talk. And so you could be telling me about your day and think, you know, anyone else listening just thinks that you're talking about your regular day, but I might be hearing certain phrases or certain ways of talking or picking up. And I'm like, this person might be depressed. So it's like, oh, I gave away all my stuff uh, right. to my to to my friends. Now, maybe the bot's going to say, oh, wow, how generous this person is. They must be in a good mood where I'm thinking about, wow, that's a telltale sign that you're thinking about suicide, that you just gave away all your, you know, oh, uh, yeah. things to loved ones, you know. So, again, I, I, I think there's such a broad thing where now the teletherapy can happen. So, you know, I think there's also the teletherapy with, you know, humans. And I guess just like any industry, you know, and this is new, where it's it's sort of like an established field that's now using the technology to enhance treatment. And I think there's another side of it where people are sort of saying, can this type of technology replace it? And, you know, yeah, I'm a human, so obviously I'm going to go with the human side. Right. But even besides right. that, I think it's new in its infancy that you really have to watch out. How is this all being regulated? So right. if was- I'm calling up or I'm contacting some of these agencies, they might say they have anxiety, you know, treat anxiety, but maybe my anxiety is from post-traumatic stress disorder. And if I just get hooked up with someone that was just anxiety, are they really prepared? What type of training? You know, I've looked up these apps and sort of sometimes looked at, how do you ask questions? Like I want to be able to call up a practitioner, ask them questions, make sure it's a good fit or, you know, call up a place, find out more information, maybe call back. Every app I went on, it was sort of I, I couldn't really get past having to pay first. Right. And then I couldn't really see, well, how does this even work? Some of the apps were just all text messages. Great adjunct. I can't imagine only doing therapy with right. just text messages and never having any type of connection to make sure something's OK. You yeah. know, but I was going to actually ask you that because I did, you know, I, I do realize that there are no regulations. That's why I mean. Where is that accountability and how do you know? I actually read that the National Institute of Mental Health actually doesn't endorse any of these apps. So that's another sign. If you see a little advertising at the bottom and they think that's going to you know, draw people in, which kind of seems a little dangerous. You know, in all fairness, you know, I haven't personally used the apps, but that's been part of the problem. I've tried to find out more information, but you're sort of blocked without signing up. But you know, I can't imagine being in a, a very stressful situation, texting somebody. And then for me being like, you know what? I don't feel happy with this. Texting isn't good for me. I'm going to need you to call me. Right. You know what I mean? Or I'm going right. to need you to do that. Yeah. And if all of a sudden I'm texting, it's like, okay, well, your subscription's up, yeah. you know, or <laughs> right. I can't Out follow up on a call, <laughs> right. you know, and also I don't know what the regulations are, but, you know, at least for, you know, for my license, there are certain rules about who you can speak to and where. Right. You know, so they're advertising it like oh. you can you don't have to stay in your area, but you but so like, who am so I you're speaking not licensed, to? Right. Like if you're talking, if you're in New York, you're licensed in New York, but you can't necessarily go to California and just start treating people. Right? Not so, not without, you, right. you know, right now, it's been great during the pandemic. A lot of states have actually uh, done emergency licensing right. where you can sort of apply and very quick turnaround and they'll give you a certain amount of time to speak to other people who got maybe your patients who got caught in another place or just other situations. But again, I'm very curious about how they can have you talking to anybody 
like what kind of license allows that? I'm not sure. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not to say it's not, but again, I think you'd need to know more, especially when you're making a choice about your mental health. I was actually, I had read about a comparison to these online apps versus traditional therapy. Mm -hmm. And that it's like, I, I actually, I, I told you this story about buying a shirt. Mm -hmm. When I want to oh, yeah. buy a shirt, I go into a store, I look, I try it on, I think about it, I buy it, I walk out, I'm excited. I think in my head, oh, where am I going to wear this? You know, it's, I'm like preparing myself. I'm getting the whole situation. It's in my memory. It makes me feel good. And then I wear it and I have a great night. And then it's satisfying. So it's almost like going into a doctor's office, you in your head, you kind of think about what are you going to discuss today and you prepare yourself. And there's like you had mentioned, there's contact you have, you know, you can see the person's face, you get nonverbal cues when they smile or they nod at you. And you're not getting that on these apps. And I personally, I feel like I always, I, I get a vibe from someone, you know? Sure. By the way, full disclosure, I get none of that when I'm shopping for a shirt. I go online, I find the color of the shirt that I like, I click to buy, and the shirt gets delivered to me. Gotta, There's no emotional connection wait, and, wait, excuse me, I gotta look up the Wobot. I gotta, I gotta really, we're gonna maybe, have to look into this. the user segment for the Wobot. But in all honesty though, I think I give off a vibe too. Because if you know me, you know that people start just talking to me wherever I am. You, you are naturally, there's a reason why I stopped going to the supermarket with Erica. I used to go and then I, I come home and I'm like, we, we went for eggs and milk and it's been two and a half hours. We got stopped literally every three minutes and everybody wants to talk. I've never but seen But it's the like verbal cues because you're going to look at me and I'm going to smile at you. And maybe mm -hmm. it's inviting and it's approachable and everything that a that an app is not and everything you're saying it makes sense that there is a comfort level in the face to face there's still you still need that human contact sure sure totally i i was also going to ask you sure. we're, we're talking about technology and apps and I'm, I'm starting to get a little concerned that maybe these apps are just way too available but not uh you know not not enough legislation around them mm -hmm. and, and some kind of path to how to treat people that actually need treatment but in general i'm just curious about technology what your feeling is in general about technology, about uh, social media apps, for example. I've seen your videos, Dr. J on Instagram. <laughs> yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be fully, fully transparent here. Feel free to share Dr. J with our audience. Uh, but, but how do you feel about using social media uh, or any other collaboration tools? Like you said, you, you're using this HIPAA-compliant telehealth app, for example, as a benefit to how you interact with your patients with your colleagues through all this i'm, I'm just curious sure no no absolutely you, you know uh, i myself have never really been heavy on um social media you know i it, it wasn't something that i always sort of felt comfortable doing you know and that but again saw it seeing it you know yeah. it's part of life you know there's no going around it's with everywhere. it so, yeah so you know <laughs> i'm a little late comer to the game however you know what i've found in many ways that um in use in a healthy way it's amazing, you know, so you're reaching wider audiences, you're disseminating information that maybe people aren't getting, you know, you can give out quality information. Uh, I, you know, I, I fell upon this, what's the app, uh, Pinterest, you oh, know what yeah. I mean? And oh. it's like, you know, like, honestly. You know Pinterest, honey. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Max has his own board, by the way. He oh, there you go. <laughs> I might, I might <laughs> have my own board. <laughs> well, don't worry, mine's uh, Psychology Quotes, Minions, and John Wick. Oh, you know what I mean? But, but basically. Cool. 
but <laughs> but what you see is that they have all these great sayings, all these inspirational quotes of that. And I love that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and you never know how you could be touched by something that you read. So the fact that all these, you know, memes and stuff like that get out there, I think it's great. It also allows us to give more information to people, have people contact. And again, I think you have to sort of, like you're saying, it's everywhere. Right. I think you have to adjust to what, how people communicate, you know, without sacrificing your quality. But again, if, if I'm going to, um, I don't know, you know, just, write something you know and no one's ever going to see it then it might be helpful but i got to get it out there so again that being said i I think as far as service delivery it can really enhance so it's kind of like i guess from a technical perspective i see that as another input like if i wanted to get a sense for what someone's temperature was or what their kind of their mental state was i guess social and and it's not new to anyone in law enforcement or anyone Mm -hmm. that kind of obviously looks for certain for certain signs it's it's just another input that you can get off of you know what someone's thinking about at sure. any given day mm-hmm. so so i guess we we have to adjust yeah right? we but, have we, we have to we have to uh succumb to technology a little bit here but maybe do it in a in a much better and more regulated way sure to, to make sure we're we're looking out for the interest of the public i mean look you know social media can be used in so many different ways for good, for bad, you know, un- unfortunately, you know, I mean, you know, we're talking technology and stuff. You can only imagine some of the issues that social media has created, right. you know, that just yeah. didn't exist when maybe we were growing up, you know, like there was always bullying. There wasn't cyber bullying, right. you know, you can't they, get people away from weren't that. sharing your humili- humiliating incident with millions of right. viewers, you, you know, to be repeated like that. and to, to be repeated and, and gone right. viral and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, how many likes did I get? Yeah. You know, am I getting likes? You know, yeah. am I competing? What's this person doing? You know, what image are they showing versus what's actually going on? You know, kids sitting in my office and all of a sudden they'll turn on their phone and they'll bing, bing, bing. I'm like, what is that? Oh, I just missed 230 texts. I'm like, you have 230 texts yet oh in the last God. 20 minutes. You know, because group. So, so again, true. how it's used. But again, like you're saying, it's it could be a great medium to just help more, you know, mm-hmm. if used wisely. Totally. What's that song? That new country song? Oh, yeah. Know, There's a Sam exactly Hunt song. And he says, breaking up was easier in the 90s. And we were <laughs> listening to it. And we're like, oh, my God, it was. It's exactly because that. You uh-huh. didn't know if you had a missed call. You hoped that, some, you know, they, your ex called and you just missed it. And you weren't home. <laughs> but you really didn't know. And. And then you didn't have to see the, what they were doing that night because they didn't post 100 pictures on Snapchat, you know? Oh, oh God, so yes. <laughs> I can imagine it is. I mean, we we have we both have teenagers and mm-hmm. it's it's a tricky situation to navigate. So no, I absolutely. understand. As I had mentioned, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. And I know football is pretty big in both of our houses yes. with our boys. <laughs> in the recent NFL draft and previously in commercials, it was well publicized that the Indianapolis Colts launched a week-long mental health awareness campaign called Kicking the Stigma, which was bringing awareness and the end of shame and stigma often associated with mental illness. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome, even though I'm a Giants fan. I have to appreciate that. <laughs> oh, my God. Appreciate the effort, the, the outreach. Launched that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By the way, I am so happy that my wife watched the draft. I did. I, I mean, did. Let's not. That was a big uh, moment for me. Patriots. <laughs> that is growth as a couple. <laughs> Patriots pick number 15, Jones. Get ready. Okay, I'm not as happy about that <laughs> announcement, but I'm still happy you watched But my, draft. you know what I thought was amazing was that my children didn't seem surprised. They weren't 
questioning it. And I was proud. I know we all, you know, we raise our kids in an open, honest home mm -hmm. and we discuss things. And I think that it runs deeper. I think that there will now be a whole generation that is more accepting of differences. Sure. And I think they will learn that there are resources available for them when they need it. You know, I found that the boys were, you know, oh, this is cool. You know, and mm -hmm. I, I think that it that was amazing that that that's being reached, which is so different than what I remember growing right, up. Right, right. I, I remember when I grew up. I, if I was upset, I go to my parents and say, "Hey, I'm upset about something," and their response was usually, "Why don't you get a good night rest and you'll feel better?" <laughs> oh my god! Which which was like my that was it. That was my form of therapy. So we're raising our family very open and honest uh -huh, uh -huh. yes yeah i mean i think i think part of that that growth is so important i mean i i went through that as a child then i went to college you know the closest i got to any you know anything to do with mental health was around finals when you know everyone was like oh do you know if your roommate like commits suicide you get a 4.0 like that <laughs> oh my god horrible. when you think about it it's so insensitive mm -hmm. but i think that's the culture that's sure. that's changing. I think that's the culture that's really adopting in a way that's positive. That's really allowing people to feel com comfortable. And the fact that the NFL, which which is you know has such wide access sure. to everyone within society, mm -hmm. is talking about the importance of kicking the stigma and you know kind of letting people know it's it's it is as important, if not more important, than physical health is just to have that that mental health yeah. component. Sure. No. Absolutely. And, you, you know, when you just talk about like technology and things like that, I think part of it is, you know, like we said before, some people have they look at the downside of, of technology and they had say, like, where's the connection? People are using people are on the phone. Fine. I, I get it. But at the same time, think about like, I mean, just when we grew up, you know, I believe like we were on like the front of like chat rooms and then right. I and right. stuff. And when you think about just the Internet and development, everything, it's connected us to so many people all over the world and it's sort of normalizing everything so in terms of like stigma you know it, you want to talk about like oh i'm not the only one right. and seeing these things so i i think it's amazing and i definitely think how could technology not be part of you know just yeah. spreading the message yeah definitely that's i mean that's so relevant and something that i think we're all kind of coming to terms with i think the pandemic has been mm -hmm. overwhelming uh, for everyone, even those that never thought about talking to anyone about their anxiety or fears when they're kind of sitting at home thinking about it mm -hmm. more than at, at any other time in their history. Uh, what advice would you give to them about coping with the change and this new version of normal? You mean just sort of like the pandemic in, yeah. in general? You know, I, I think one of, the, you know, listening to people and some of the hardest things that's been going on is that a lot of people, because it's so new, or at least new to us, a lot of people are questioning, is what I'm experiencing normal? You know, so, you know, someone all of a sudden they're out of their normal routine, or let's say you were a gym goer, you no longer have your regular coping. And for the first time in your life, you're feeling like a little sluggish or something's off sure. and saying like, what's, what's wrong with me? Right. What's happening to realize that, you know, it's sort of a normal reaction to an abnormal situation, you know? So I think just everyone, um, being able to connect to others or know that you're not alone and um, sort of normalize the experience, I think can be so powerful and helpful. And again, another way technology can sort of do that by seeing how everyone is dealing with it and what's going on. Um, also, you know, it's interesting, everyone, you'll see a lot of advice like stay connected, go to people, but 
it's almost, I'd say the reverse too, for those of us who are connected and, and maybe have people in our lives or that make sure that you're trying to reach out to people that maybe don't have as many connections. Right. So not only yeah. are you sort of, you know, you know, uh, you know, you can feel good about what you're doing that it's so important because everybody is feeling such a sense of isolation now and, you know, not everybody has the same resources. So right. any way you can connect, I think is very important now. This may seem controversial, but I often hear, you know, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't necessarily agree. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, <laughs> yes, we are all living through a global pandemic. Yes. And most of us, most, most have followed directions <laughs> on mandates of quarantine and mm-hmm. shelter in place. But although the pandemic has affected everyone in some way, sure. it definitely did not affect everyone equally. I guess, though, having access, especially like you said, for those in isolation, it's, you know, I, I kind of still think maybe it's better to have the technology. Maybe it's better to have those apps available to them. Maybe it almost levels the playing field a little bit by giving access to people that, you know, prior to this scenario, prior to having mental health apps really had nothing. And, you know, so, so maybe having a a chat box (laughs) as, as, you know, maybe it's not regulated and maybe it's not good for everyone, but I guess maybe there is an element of, uh, people that could really get some benefit out of it, as as you were saying that, I was thinking. No, one hundred percent. I mean, and, and and again, like what you were saying before, you know, is it better just to have access? You know what I mean? You know, obviously, you know, coming from the the position I am in the field, I'm always going to be thinking of you know patient care and and making sure it's quality. But we can't deny what you're saying. You know, it's not easy for everyone to get into a therapist's office. It's not, you know, so if it's going to um, expand and bring access. And again, normalize, you said, like, knock out a stigma, like this is just something everyone's yeah. doing or something like that. Great. Let's regulate it. Let's make sure it's healthy. Let's sure. providing a service. But absolutely, I think we're going to reach more and more people. So I guess whether it becomes just a fad or whether it becomes part of the process, is it fair to say that it needs to somehow maybe integrate into the system of mental health that's in place today? Otherwise, it's really you know, just 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 a bunch of people in Silicon Valley thinking they're smarter than the rest of us. That's never that's never happened before. I can't. I mean, again, at this stage in the game, I think the field in certain ways was already developing that way pre-pandemic. Right. You know, and and trying to see how can we reach more people. How, you know, how can you supplement things? Look, it's hard. You know, with kids and stuff, it's hard if you have to go drive to an appointment and the appointment not, might not be in your town. And that's like an hour there, the hour right. at the place, an hour back. And you want to do what you want to get it. So if this is a way to sort of get access to care, you know, um, you know, 100%, you know, you, you can um, get it. But um, I think it's here to stay, you know, yeah. what role it will have, how it used. I think it's still developing. I mean, like it was already developing, like with anxiety, uh, they're doing virtual reality uh, programs for phobias. So if you have a phobia of airplanes, they were uh, putting you uh, in this virtual reality machine really? and um, they can expose you to your fear. Uh-huh. And they were like simulating turbulence and stuff like that. We had people come to our office once and they gave us virtual reality. And it was as if you had schizophrenia and you didn't have your medication. Oh, wow. And it was trying to show how it would be this person trying to go get their medication why they were having an active episode. And it was actually designed by patients and doctors and technology people all together to give a real experience so people can understand 
yeah what it's like and to really you know connect so um i love that i like yeah. actually Amazing. think that's i mean i always have said that i would like everyone in the medical field to experience being a patient sure. in one way or another and you know obviously not in some horrendous situation but sure. even be vulnerable get an x-ray have to be in a gown mm -hmm. have to walk in front of people that you don't know and do things. And, and I think that would change the perspective so much. You know, as a nurse, I always wondered why, you know, people run to the emergency room with broken bones or damaged organs. But when the most vital organ in the human body, the brain, mm -hmm. is hurting, it's like there's still something that holds people back. Oh, perfectly said. I mean, 100%. I, um, I actually was wondering, you know, I always thought that managing mental illness a big key was accepting okay you possibly have a mental illness mm -hmm. and so i was wondering um if that actually also helps with reducing the symptoms of you know if you accept something then you could figure out how to handle it so um based on like everything going on now in the post-pandemic world we're living in would you say that the way you support i know you kind of touched on this a little sure. before but the support that's provided to the patients has changed as well? Well, I, I think definitely with a pandemic, you know, there's always this idea of what's in your control, what's not. And with the pandemic, so much has been out of our control, right. Right. you know? So, you know, if you're talking about higher order acceptance, you know, what we're trying to say with that is, look, we don't like this situation. We don't want it to be this way. It's not fair, but it is what it is right now. And if you accept the reality of what it is, yes, it does put you in a better position to then try to cope the most effectively with it. Right. If I keep just saying it shouldn't be this way, it shouldn't be this way, but it is, I'm not going to get anywhere. Whereas the other one, if I just acknowledge, wow, this really, this is really hard. This really sucks. Is there anything I can do? Do I just have to, you know, do my best to get through it? Or can I do something to increase, you know, my mental health now? that, you know, acceptance is such a huge part of it. Right. Acceptance doesn't mean giving up. You know, I think sometimes people say that right. and then they might feel invalidated, like, oh yeah, I'm just supposed to accept that. Acceptance doesn't mean giving up. It means acknowledging really what the situation is and then how can we move forward and help you? Right. I feel better after you I know, I really do too. <laughs> Most people wait though until something is broken. Sure. You know, in regards to mental health, I think sometimes it seems that people don't seek help until there's a problem that's actually negatively possibly affecting their quality of life. So I was wondering, isn't it easier to provide people with the tools needed to address situations and stressors before they escalate? Almost like sometimes I wonder, are we focusing on fixing problems that exist instead of prevention? Sure. I, I mean, look, a big, you know, it really depends on, on how you look at it, but you're right. A lot of times people, you know, they might say, hey, you know, let's say these people that recognize there might be an issue. I got this. I can handle this. Whether it's the stigma, whether it's access, whatever it is, they might not go. But then the problem sort of grows so much or it's interfering with yeah. their life or causing distress that you're, there's really no sort of, you know, other way to do it. However, you know, if you could do that, you know, by by starting earlier, by right. having open access, that'd be great. Also, another sort of type of psychology, not another type, another part of psychology is sometimes they refer to as sort of positive psychology. And it's sort of, you know, how can we, you know, how do you build character? How do you build virtue? How do you create positive feelings? All things that help buffer us against stress, help not let sort of certain disorders come out 
or maybe come out as much as they would. So again, fostering that, like you're saying, like a preventive model or a growth model, you know, psychology is always sort of, like you said, so fixed on fixing what's, what's quote unquote broke or something. But Hey, if we have adaptive beliefs, if we structure our lives in a certain way, if we try to create positive emotions, then that actually can be preventive. Like you're saying. Yeah. Yes. It's sort of like, I feel so out of control by accepting you actually become more in control because what can I actually do that might benefit me? Right. Absolutely. On a positive note, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I was reading that CEOs from 14 of the top mental health organizations have actually joined together to engage federal and state officials in 50 states to prioritize response to the nation's escalating mental health crisis. Uh, This uncommonly heard of uh, solidarity hasn't actually happened since the 80s when we were dealing with HIV AIDS. So I think it, from my perspective anyway, that truly sh- showed the urgency of this, you know, unprecedented mental health emergency that we have in this country. Is, is that something that that you're out there kind of seeing on the front line? I mean, no doubt that this pandemic has changed things for everybody. You know, um, Again, just the mere fact of not being able to see my patients face to face, you know, in the office. I mean, that's been a huge change. Sure. Um, like I said before, it's changed everyone's routines. People that relied on face to face contact, people that relied on certain things for coping, whether it was classes, groups, um, gym, whatever it was, having that taken away. Um, I just think for the average person that wasn't even suffering yeah. from necessarily any quote unquote mental illness or diagnosable thing has has experienced it. Now you take people that, you know, might have been already then struggling and now you take away access to, you know, what was helping them or, um, you know, we said before having so much more time on our hands, right. which, you know, in some cases can be a great thing. You know what I mean? Like being, <laughs> it's actually getting, amazing. For yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, you know, like that's great. Um, but imagine that, you know, you were imagine that you were always obsessing about something. But being able to get on the train, going to work, being involved around other people gave you some relief, a break from it. And now you're sort of just home 24-7 with your own thoughts. You know, so we've definitely seen exacerbation in people's symptoms and what's going on. So it's definitely, you know, it's definitely been a challenge. For sure. I've been blessed to be here for this long in one place. Erica, Erica does run off to the store. It's been a challenge. Frequently for some reason. I don't know why she keeps going for one item at a time right. and then coming back home. But for me, for me, it's been, uh, it's been a real blessing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so funny because, you know, I think depending on just everyone's situations, it's the same thing at my house. It's sort of like, you know, um, seeing, seeing how the pandemic affected my wife, who is someone who definitely needs to get out right. and do. Yes. And, you know, me being a little more introverted and right. it's just fine. It's sort of, she's like, oh my God, I get out of here. And then I'm sort of just reading going, what pandemic? Like, what right, do you mean? Right, I'm right. like, I, I just have more time to do this. Like, right. what are you saying? So it definitely affects everybody in different ways. And, yeah. and you got to be understanding and supportive of it. Right, Max. You have to be understanding and supportive. <laughs> I will be supportive. Actually, I think that overall, I think we handled it very well. And we both are pretty open-minded and empathetic. Yes, especially. Um, Okay, (laughs) that brings us to this or that. Okay. This is a game I like to play where I give you this and that, and you very quickly pick one. Okay, I love it. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Okay. Plan it or wing it? Wing it. 
Sushi or tacos? Sushi. Text or call? Call. Joe Montana or Joe Namath? Montana. <laughs> Read minds or be invisible? Read minds. <laughs> go back in time or go to the future? Back in time. Truman or Ace Ventura? Ace Ventura. <laughs> That's hilarious. Do you remember that movie Truman? I love that line. What did he say? In case I don't see you later. I have a good morning, afternoon, and good night. I know. All righty then. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was really good. Chipotle or Fridays? Fridays. Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. Full cell phone battery or full tank of gas? Full tank of gas. Talk or listen? Listen. Goodfellas or Casino? Oh my God, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, one. Can we pass? Uh, casino. Netflix <laughs> or YouTube? <laughs> Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Be the coach or be the ref? Wow. Uh, be the ref. <laughs> yeah, okay. Get even or get over it? Get over it. TV series or movie? Movie. A-team or MacGyver? A-team? <laughs> Wait, what is, yeah, what is he saying? <laughs> You pity the fool. I pity the fool. You pity the fool. <laughs> the Hulk or Superman? Hulk. Read a book or listen to a podcast? I'm going to go with the read the book podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Meditate or journal? Journal. The Office or The Sopranos? Ooh, Sopranos. <laughs> Lust or love? Love. Aww. Okay. Normally, we then play drink, steal, or delete. Okay. But I felt like for this episode, I'd like to play what I call coffee connection or cast aside. Okay. So this is where I'll give you three names. Okay. And you tell me or tell us who you would like to have coffee with, make a connection or cast aside. Okay. Okay. Dak Prescott, Dallas Cowboys quarterback, champion advocate of mental health. He has also been very vocal and open about his struggles with depression, and he founded a Faith Fight and Finish Foundation, which invests in the future of youth to find strength through adversity. Carson Daly, he's TV and radio personality, host of The Voice, co-host of The Today Show, Last Call. I know you remember MTV Total Request Live. Of course. Oh, yeah. Back in the night. I know he does all those other things. He has been also. Yeah, he's been also very open with debilitating anxiety and crippling panic attacks. And he is trying to end the stigma as well, attaching himself to the Project Healthy Minds to confront the crisis head on. And then we have Jim Irsay, owner of the Indianapolis Colts of the NFL, launching the initiative, Kicking the Stigma, which we had already mentioned, which we are in this week. It is currently going on to raise awareness about mental health disorders and remove the shame and stigma attached to the illnesses. And let's not forget that although it, he retired a Bronco, he recruited Peyton Manning in 1998 as the NFL number one draft pick. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> I love that you know that. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, so, that was key. Here we go. Dak Prescott, Carson Daly, Jim Irsay. You know, it's so hard because you just said like all amazing people and amazing things that they're doing and their struggles. Yeah. Like how can I cast anyone aside? <laughs> just, so, I mean, again, okay. I mean, I'm going to, connect with Dax, which sort of want to see things from his perspective, being such looked up to figure and sort of being that and just sort of seeing what it's like for him and to sort of, you know, learn from him and, yeah. you know, maybe sort of, you know, connect in the way of, you know, paying it forward and, you know, how can he help others? 
Indianapolis Colts owner. I'm going to have the uh, coffee with because I just feel yeah. you can get a lot of wisdom from him. You know, everything you do, especially if, you know, you're getting Peyton in there. You got to know something. <laughs> yeah, have yeah, him bring you Peyton know? along. You know, and having nothing against Carson Daly, <laughs> any struggles he might be going through yeah, for this round. Um, you know, even though he was part of my youth, I'm going to have to cast him aside. It's always the MTV guys that yeah. go first. Right? <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. I'm going to have to go with him. He's got to go. No. You're going to go to work. You're going to hear a little like, <laughs> I know, it's Carson. Yeah. yeah, I think that he'd understand. Maybe you could meet him for coffee another time. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been an awesome conversation. Absolutely. And I appreciate thank you, you so talking much to for, us. This has been amazing. I, I feel, I actually feel better. Oh, excellent. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening today. Please continue to listen and subscribe. You could always find us on Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcast. You could find us on Instagram at Techie and the Blonde or ask us any questions or suggest topics we should discuss at techieandtheblonde at gmail.com. And our new and exciting website has launched, techieandtheblonde.com. You can find tons of content and pictures everything discussed on the episodes. Thanks again.